0: Hi everyone, welcome to our weekly show. We are here to bring light to some of the most important issues affecting the region. Along with an in-depth analysis of the topics and perspectives from regional and international experts, we shall review what key players think and what the common people have to say. Coronavirus pandemic has hit the world hard, and there is a debate over whether this would hit countries like India even harder. Even though India went into a lockdown to contain the virus, Experts worry whether the already exhausted healthcare system of India can successfully deal with the threat posed by the virus. There are also concerns that the actual number of coronavirus cases might be drastically higher than reported, seeing that the country has one of the lowest coronavirus testing rates in the world and lockdown was only imposed nearly two months after the first case was reported in India on 29th of January. India has maintained a bad record of healthcare access and quality. In fact, the situation is so poor that more people die due to poor quality healthcare rather than its access. In the report published in the Lancet Journal, researchers have found out that almost 122 Indians out of 100,000 die each year due to poor quality of care, and this ratio is higher than the same report findings in India's own neighboring countries, such as China, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and Nepal. This health problem runs parallel with an extremely impoverished sanitation system as millions of people still practice open defecation. And hundreds of children under the age of five die each day from diarrhea.
1: As the world is struggling with the containment of COVID-19, it is a mystery how the world's second most populous nation with 1.3 million people has remained relatively unscathed while the number of cases explodes to its east and west. India shares a lot of the same regional disparities of healthcare access quality indexes with China as well as comparable economic growth. There are glaring differences in healthcare outcomes within the country. Healthcare being a state subject, the healthcare outcomes have remained divergent based on the quality of the state administration. While North India is the most populated part of the country, it has one of the most undeserved healthcare infrastructures. Consequently, for example, while hundreds of children died in hospitals in Uttar Pradesh last year, Kerala managed to contain the deadly Nipah virus outbreak within weeks. 71% of the population live in rural areas. There are limited doctors and hospital beds per thousand people. Hospitals and healthcare facilities are predominantly located in urban areas making them difficult to access by rural populations. The poor health infrastructure that is already overburdened and overstretched in India might not be able to handle another epidemic where hospitals become a node for further infection. In other parts of the country where medical infrastructure is poor, it becomes nearly impossible to prevent outbreaks from becoming epidemics. Public health hospital specialists say that the uneven development of health infrastructure is a serious problem in dealing with epidemics, especially in packed urban areas with poor sanitation and where so many people live face to face. Despite a creaky and uneven public healthcare system, India has a formidable record in defeating polio and facing up to a swine flu pandemic in 2009 and handling a more recent outbreak of the deadly Nipah virus. India offers certain advantages in fighting the coronavirus outbreak. Its flu surveillance program involves a cluster of medical colleges for screening lodges can now test samples by using the influenza program to find out whether COVID-19 is circulating in the community with quick diagnostics. Also, India is one of the world's largest producers of the generic drugs. India has indeed managed to escape the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic so far, possibly because of quick and strict efforts right from the start. It was one of the first countries to close its border, cancelling visas and denying entry to all except for a select few foreigners, as the first reported cases were travellers carrying the infection.
2: The challenge
0: that we will face and the unpredictability is we are not able to estimate the mutation. As of now, uh, we feel that uh, the country will be able to tackle it uh, uh, the, the country is taking, India is taking definite actions of sort of closing the borders, which, which probably is one of the wisest things to do now.
1: A 21-day complete country-wide quarantine was instated after state authorities began shutting schools, swimming pools, gyms, athletic arenas, malls and movie theatres. Fast cross-communication between public and private healthcare providers, health ministers and public officials responsible for initiating the government's robust surveillance network in districts in case of an emergency epidemic and the key role of the National Institute for Virology were one of the reasons Nipah (coughs) virus was quickly controlled. Measures that India previously took to prevent other outbreaks may have helped prevent the COVID-19 outbreak from reaching an epidemic on the same scale as that which the rest of the world is currently struggling with.
0: We are now joined by Dr. Yogesh Jain, who is a public health physician and a founding member of Jan Swayastha Sayog, or People's Health Group which is a voluntary non-profit organization founded by a group of health professionals in India with the aim of reducing health care and quality. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jain. This coronavirus outbreak is a test for all countries around the world, and India is no exception. So far, how much do you think India's healthcare system has been successful in the test? Well, the Indian government
3: had uh, little more time than many other countries uh, to be able to manage this uh, pandemic. And the Indian government did pick up by announcing some social distancing measures, including a massive lockdown. But uh, in many other things, decision making has been uh, not the way, not the best, not even so swift. But I think they're learning while they're doing. And uh, overall, I expect that uh, over time, they would have managed the outbreak as well as it can, given the state of our public health system that it always has been. In the last uh, uh, so many years, Uh, we have we have we have had a rather you know broken system uh, in health, and in this situation, to be able to do well uh, is uh, the maximum that we could have uh, that we can expect that it would be just okay.
0: I have another question from you, and I know that you're, since you're running an NGO, you might know this better. Uh, do you think it is true that most Indians choose medical care from private sector, even though it is more expensive than the public sector? Yes, I think the the problem there is that the, the fact that
3: Indians predominantly choose private sector for their care, especially outpatient care, has been used wrongly as an ex, as uh, the cause being that they like to do it, it is because they have no choice. We have in uh, our uh, we have a poor, often dysfunctional public health system, which forces people, out of no choice, of theirs, to go towards the only available second option, which is not also a great option of the private health system, which is uh, which suffers from its all these problems of being uh, high in cost. Uh, not so good in quality also as and the quality has not been shown to be any better than that of the public health system But it may be a little more convenient uh, When people can access it at times that are that are appropriate for them, but not for the public health system So I would say uh, in this case we have to ensure that a strengthened public health system is uh, the one that manages the problems of uh, great crises like this COVID crisis Uh, as well as uh, see that as a way to improve the public health system for managing post-COVID epidemic problems uh, that we have in
0: plenty in this country. Thank you, Dr. Jain. It was wonderful having you here. With this, we sign off this episode. You can follow us on our social media platforms to stay updated and we will meet the same time, same day next week.
2: what is fast turning into one of the world's largest killers of mankind outside of conflict, the United Nations Secretary General has called for the world to unite as one and to fight against the COVID-19 virus instead of each other.
0: The COVID-19 storm is now coming to all these theaters of conflict. The virus has shown how swiftly it can move across borders, devastate countries and upend lives. The worst is yet to come. I call on all those that can make a difference to make that difference to urge and pressure combatants around the world to put down their arms.
2: It appears that the initial response from some of the conflict-stricken countries has been positive, with Guterres' call for voices of peace receiving over 70 endorsements from UN member states, NGOs and other non-state actors. When one takes a look at the current number of global conflicts around the world, it is clear that the concentration of them seems to be centred in the Africa-Asia region, with many of them coming from intrastate conflicts following periods of civil wars and vacuum-filling struggles following independence from occupying imperialist regimes. With the majority of these conflicts being in Africa, the EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs, Joseph Burrell, has stated that Africa must be taken as seriously as the rest of the world when it comes to fighting the pandemic, as the spillover could lead to disaster for the likes of Europe and beyond. It will not be solved if it is not solved everywhere, because it can backlash at any moment. If we don't solve the problem in Africa, we will not be solved in Europe. There lies a slight crack in the otherwise highly commendable master plan of Guterres, and that, unfortunately, comes from the notion that under the realist school of thought, conflict is inevitable even during times like these. As for many states, Using the COVID-19 outbreak as a means to further weaken their enemies is nothing more than a Machiavellian principle of justifying the means in order to finally defeat their enemy. We have seen, for example, that in occupied Palestine, the Zionist regime is quite happily continuing to place pressure on the West Bank and Gaza as it places the country under an ever-tight chokehold, denying the Palestinian access to medical supplies, fresh water, and the PPE equipment needed to stop the spread of the virus. Some states, it seems, are happy to continually ignore the charters and voices of the UN to appease their own goals first.
3: Well, I guess that's it for this week, and I really hope that you like what you listened to. If you did, come back here next week for another episode of our podcast series. You can also go to the comment section and tell us about what you think, And you can listen to the other episodes if you haven't listened to them already. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel on SoundCloud and tell your friends about us. Till next week, bye-bye.